Bibles with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. The book of Matthew, chapter 13. When you got it, say so. Beginning in verse 1. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And verse 9 says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, we honor you for your word, and we thank you this evening, Lord, for bringing us into your house, giving us the opportunity to worship you, giving us the opportunity not just to sing songs, but Lord God, to actually commune with you. God, it is such a great privilege and honor, Lord, to be in your presence tonight. And Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, dear God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. Father, that we would be attuned to your voice this evening, Lord God, that we would be challenged, that we would be changed, Lord God, and that we would continue on in this evaluation process that you have us in, and God, that we would bring glory and honor to you, Father, for you alone are worthy of all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I told you on, for on Sunday that I would be speaking to you this last point that I made. And so I want to just reiterate a few things that I did communicate um, from the message on Sunday because this would be like a part two we were dealing with, and this would be the last message that I'll preach from this series at this point, and it is called The Overcoming Church Focus. That is the series title. We're talking about the eighth church because when Jesus wrote to those seven churches, he had us in mind all of the time. Every church after those churches would be the eighth church. Therefore, that would be us. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are able to glean, that we are able to get from the scriptures what we need in order for us to continue to live as an overcoming church. Because obviously if Jesus is communicating to the church and he's saying to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes, Obviously, he wants us to overcome. That's the purpose of his communication because he is trying to encourage us, challenge us, even rebuke us to move forward and not continue in a stagnated position. And so when we're looking at this, I would like to reiterate the first point that I made, and I think I tried to drive it home the entire message, and it is this. Jesus has to be the focus of everything. The bottom line is Jesus is the focus. The entire book of Revelation, Jesus is the focus. God the Father is inspiring, well, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, inspiring John the Apostle in order to hear these words, in order to bring forth revelation of who Jesus is. And so there were a couple things that we talked about. And the first one is this, and please repeat this after me because this was the first point, just in case you forgot, the focal point. Let's say it again, the focal point. There you go. Of the overcoming church. 
is the person of Jesus Christ. Period. Period. The focal point of the overcoming church is the person of Jesus Christ. Period. We're not focused on other stuff. We cannot be focused on other things. When we, when we look back at the book of Revelation and we look at the seven churches, each and every one of them opens up the letter the, or the communication to each of those churches opens up with a different um, part of the revelation of Jesus, communicating to them what they specifically needed to hear. And again, we get to sit back and we get to look at all of that and be able to receive the full counsel and full revelation of Jesus. It is important for us to realize that, that if we are going to be this church that is going to overcome, that is going to be victorious in these days in which we live, Jesus has to be the focus. We cannot allow anything to take our focus. Remember, I made the point. I don't have the. I don't have the picture again. Or I would show it to you so you would remember. But you'll remember it was. A, it was a picture that was taken. Somebody was. I'm imagining Robert Anna was probably standing around here. My daughter was sitting there. My wife was sitting there. Pastor Robert was there. Pastor Vanessa was over there. Pastor Pastor Marty was right where she is. And when they took this picture, you could see a perfect view of my wife and my daughter. And as you continue to go down the line, you saw that the the picture became more blurred. You could see who the people were because you knew them but you weren't able to focus and see details of their face and it becomes the same thing with us because some of us have this issue we have Jesus in sight but he is not our focus and so it is important that we a purpose in our heart to make Jesus our focus at all times that he's not just in sight because that's the issue with us is that we, we keep him in sight right we keep him in sight it's like yeah I, I'm, I'm thinking about Jesus got my mind on Jesus all that kind of stuff but we are not focused on him and then what happens is things get out of perspective. Here's the issue. The problem is this, and I don't think I said this last week. I wrote it down, but I didn't say it. But here is the thing. When anything else becomes your focus, you're in danger of idolatry. Whatever you are focused on, whatever has the, the attention of your mind, whatever. Listen, problems can become your idol. Did you hear me? How, how, can, how, can, how can problems become an idol? Because when you talk more about your problems, focus more on your problem, think more about your problem and you about Jesus, then tell me who you're worshiping. Your problems are Jesus. You're worshiping your problems. You talk more about them than anything else. You wake up in the morning, first thing on your mind, problems. Every idle moment of your day, thinking about what? Problems. Go to bed, you can't go to sleep because you're thinking about? So what are you worshiping? You are worshiping problems. We always think of idolatry like you built this gold image. Listen, some of y'all make your problems the gold image. Don't even realize it. And so anything, it could be whatever, a, a person. If, if you're more focused on a person than you are on Jesus, they can become your idol. If you're more focused on your career, right? You're more focused on making the money. Listen, we all need money. The Bible says money answereth all things. Glory to God. Ain't nobody saying don't work. That is not what Bishop is saying. What I am saying is that some of us focus more on that stuff than we focus on Jesus. Things get out of perspective. We're willing to work overtime, but we won't pray overtime. Mm-hmm. You put in your, your, your work 16 hours. Get you to come to a prayer meeting. Oh, that's overtime. Can't be there. Praise him, hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Focus on Jesus. That's the key. Focus on him. The second thing, repeat this after me. The practice of the overcoming church is progressive examination. The practice of the overcoming church is progressive examination. I went through this last week as well. It's very important that we realize that we are all growing up in Christ. We are all growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. If we're truly saved, then we are growing in him. And that means that when we come to him, we do not know everything about him. We do not understand every doctrine. We do not understand everything. Even after we've been to Bible college, we're still going to learn. One of my favorite preachers um, or, or teachers, should I say, Dr. John MacArthur, you you know, these guys, they like, they write more than, I mean, my goodness, they write a lot. And they go back and what they do is after years and years and years of preaching and teaching, you know what they do? They revise their own stuff and they correct things that they said way back when because they realize, you know, I was a little bit ignorant and I didn't have the full understanding of this particular doctrine and so I need to correct this. And what does that tell me? That tells me that even these guys who have master's degrees, doctorates, when they start writing this stuff are still great. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And so it is the same thing for us. And so today, my convictions, and I said this, and, and I know that you didn't like this, but, you know, it, it was something that had to be communicated. And it is that we, as leaders, we have a right to change our mind. Hallelujah. As long as we don't change our mind about how we're saved, we're good. Glory to God. As long as we don't start preaching some other gods, as long as we don't come up in here and say, well, you know, I've been enlightened had a visitation from an angel and they told me that there's more ways to God than one, that would be a good time for you to say, Bishop, I love you, but I got to go. Right? Something, something, glory to God. <clears throat> Something's got to change because that doesn't line up with the scriptures. I'm not talking about changing scripture. What I'm talking about is convictions, things that we, are, that, that we understand and things that we believe. We grow in those things. And you and I have to be able to continue to grow in God and, be, and continue to search and seek after him. For what? So that way we can become more like Jesus. The more clearly we understand who, it is, who he is, the more clearly we are able to reflect him before this world that desperately needs his revelation. And so the church that is going to be overcoming because we are committed. Remember I talked about the commitment. I said an overcoming church is committed to the exaltation of Jesus and the examination of itself. When we are committed to exalting Jesus, not just exalting just the good, glamorous, loving side of God, but all of God, you know, God's holiness, his purity, all of those things. And again, not just getting stuck on God's purity and God's holiness because God is also merciful and gracious. Amen. Hallelujah. Because, you know, sometimes we think that that's the only thing that there is to God. God is just holy. No, he is also love. We have to have that balanced revelation of who he is. And when we exalt him, it has to be the same way. As we exalt him, it's got to be that we focus. Because as we focus on him, you know, we start to focus on the things that he gives us, the things that he does for us. We start to focus on those things, exalting him, not ourselves. We start to realize he's the source of everything. The automatic thing that happens is as you look at his glory, 1 Corinthians communicates this to us. It says that as we look upon his glory, then what? We are changed into his glory. And so as we exalt him, we examine ourselves, he begins to show us what's going on inside of us, we're able to change and become more like Jesus. That's the goal. It is important that we continually examine our lives in light of God's word. And my prayer is this, that we would never find rest for our souls that does not come from the spirit of grace.
That we would never find rest and we would never be comfortable and just be like, okay, I've arrived. Because if you've arrived and you're still sitting here, you have issues. If I've arrived and I'm still here, I have issues. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Apostles, this guy's way more, I would say, holy than me. Hallelujah, glory to God. I don't know about you, but I know my level of holiness and I'm pretty sure he was much higher than that. And this guy is like, man, I haven't arrived. I'm still striving forward. I'm still pressing toward the goal. I haven't, I haven't arrived. I'm leaving those things behind, and I'm moving forward to come to know him. The third point that we'll get into tonight, and this will be the topic that we'll deal with. Number three, say this with me. The potential of the overcoming church is its ability to hear. So I said last week that we would talk about this because it's very important when you read the book of Revelation. Here you see this in the book of Matthew chapter 13 and verse 9. At the end of this part of the parable, before he begins to talk to his disciples, he says something. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In the book of Revelation, when he speaks to these churches, he ends all of these things. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so to each of these churches, he's communicating and he's saying, listen, he's saying God is communicating. His spirit is communicating. Most of the time, his spirit is going to communicate directly through his word, whether it is while you are reading his word, whether it is while you are in meditation and the word of God begins to bubble up inside of your soul. Most of the time, that's how he's going to speak to you. It doesn't mean he doesn't talk to you outside of those ways, but he is always going to speak to you in line with his word and in line with his character, no matter how he's talking to you. If he's talking through a prophetic voice, It is going to align with the scriptures. It is going to point you to Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus Christ. And so that is what all prophecy should be doing, leading us closer to him, showing us more about him. But it is important that we have the ability to hear because if we don't have the ability to hear, how are we going to grow in him? When we look at this parable, this is a parable that most of you should be familiar. Raise your hand in here just so I can get a little quick check. How many of you have ever read this parable before? Raise your hand. <clears throat> All right, that's most of us, glory to God. So for some of you, this is going to be the first time you've, you, you've heard anything from here, which is good. And even for us that have heard from it, we can hear from it again. Amen? Hallelujah. So here's, here's, here's what Jesus is communicating. I love this because in the beginning of this verse, he says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And it says, And great multitudes gathered together to him. I love this because it gives us a picture of what you do when multitudes come to you. What do you do? Preach the word of God to them. You communicate to them. You don't try to pacify them, try to make them feel cute. You don't get excited because all these multitudes are there. What you do is what Jesus did. Jesus communicates the word of God to them. He communicates to them and lets them know that they need to hear about this sower. He goes on in verse 3 and he says here, Then he spoke many things to them in parables. He begins talking about the kingdom. This is like the first time that he's starting to talk, to talk about the kingdom of God and, 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 and getting into those parables with the people. He says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, with, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let, or he who has a hear, an ear, let him hear. And so... We see Jesus is communicating to all of these people. He's got his multitude in front of them. And what he's literally saying to them is he's saying, which one are you? Which one are you? 
Are you the good ground? Are you the ground that's going to bear 30, 60, 100% fruit? Are you the thorny ground that you're going to look like you're going to bear fruit and the fruit is not going to come out of your life? Are you the stony ground? Are you the one that is going to wither away as soon as things get difficult? Or are you by the wayside? You're just here listening to me. You're like, what's this guy talking about? It's the same question for us when we look at this parable. What type of hearer are we? What type of hearer are we? He goes on to communicate because the disciples come to him and they ask him in verse 10. They said, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus goes on and he says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I want to pause for a moment because Jesus is communicating something that is so important for us when we talk about hearing. He's saying to them, he says, he who has, he will be given more. He who doesn't have will not be given. I want you to understand this. This is very important. You got to think about who Jesus is talking to. You have to think about his audience, okay? The people who Jesus was speaking to is predominantly Jewish people. Thank you very much. It's predominantly Jewish people that are there. That is the audience who Jesus is speaking to right now. These are, and, and, and why is this important for us? Because we need to realize these are God's chosen people. These are the people that were chosen in Abraham years and years ago. And so why does this matter? Because Jesus is talking to people whom God himself separated for himself, said, these are my people. Now, here's my question. Do you think that Jesus, that God, would separate a people to himself that he didn't want to communicate with? Think that he would say, okay, you know, he walks into, the, into a veto, right? And he says, okay, you know what, Faith Dome, I'm going to take all of you with me. But I'm only going to talk to like five of you. You think that's what he would do? No. He wouldn't do that. That's the reason why Jesus chose these 12 and he did that because there was people who he knew, who he knew were going to hear what he had to say. But here's what happens. Jesus is saying all of these people, chosen people, elect people, if you talk to them, they give you their heritage. They give you their lineage. They tell you what, what tribe they're from. They would go through all of that stuff, right? They'd make it clear. They would do that. And still, they're there and they don't have the ability to hear. They're there, and they don't have the ability to hear. Listen, that's scary because you can be, hear me now, you can be sitting in a church filled with other people, and you could be sitting there and not have the ability to hear. That's scary. It happened right here. Multitudes came to hear this guy speak. Multitudes came to hear him speak. Jesus begins to speak to them in parables. They ask him why. And he tells them straight up, he said, it's been given to you to hear, not to them. Why? Because God doesn't love them? On the contrary, because they don't love God. If there is one thing that I can communicate to you tonight, if we are going to be a people that are going to be able to focus on Jesus and progressively examine ourselves, we have to be a people who are going to be able to hear. And if we are going to be able to hear, the first thing that needs to be dealt with is do you love God? Do you love him? Not just in word. I didn't say, do you love the things he does for you? There's a difference. Every one of the children of Israel loved the land of milk and honey. Every one of them. There wasn't one of them to win. So, man, I love this place. This place off the chain. Everything we want is here. It is all good. None of them were going to complain about that land. But they didn't love God. They didn't love him. 
Therefore, what do they do? They would go into idolatry. They would go into disobedience. They would begin to serve other gods. They would begin to disobey his commandments. Jesus says it clearly. You say you love me, but you don't obey me. So here's the question. Do you love him? Here's the answer. Are you obeying him? Yes, then you love him. No, you don't love him. Yeah, but, no buts, yes or no. Yeah, but you don't understand. I know, he does though. He gave you the grace to obey, gave you the ability to obey, gave you the commands to obey. It's pretty cut and dry. If you love him, you do what? You obey him. So the first question is, do you love him? Because what he's saying is this. He's saying, he who has He'll be given more. In other words, if you have a love for God, you really care about what God says. You know what? You are a student who is there, and there's some people in here taking notes. Glory to God. I'm not saying that anybody that's not taking notes, you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. Glory to God. And I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. I'm a hard person to take notes from anyway, so, you know, good luck. Glory to God. But here's the thing. The thing is, when you really love God, when you really have that heart for God, you are longing to hear what he has to say, not so he can blow your mind, but so he can direct your steps. Oh, glory to God. Let me say that again. When you are really hungry for God, you are not so hungry because you want him to blow your mind with this heavy revy and oh my goodness, wow. No, you just want him to direct your life. See, because when you have, you will be given more. And so when he gives you a command and he tells you, obey this, and you obey that, you know what happens? More revelation of him comes into your life. But when he gives you a command, when he communicates to you his will and you disobey, you know what happens? He'll repeat himself. Why isn't he speaking to you about anything else? Because he's still dealing with you on this. I know you want to ignore this. He doesn't. I know you want to walk around this. He's not going to let you. I know you want to act like this doesn't exist. He says you got to deal with it so we can really move and you can really grow. Because if not, if I let you go around it, over it, through it, whatever, and I don't bring you through the process, you know what happens? You will end up back here again dealing with the same thing because you missed it. And so if you have... The hunger for him. If you have the thirst for him, then what happens is you hear what he's saying, you obey what he's saying, and then he gives you more. Listen to me. If you find God repeating himself to you and you continue to disobey, you fall into the other category. You are the one who does not have, and even what you have will be taken away. Because he repeats himself and he communicates because he loves you. He wants you to experience his fullness, which is him. He wants you to experience that. He wants you to walk in the fullness of his love, in the fullness of his grace. He wants you to walk in that. So he repeats himself. But you decide, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. And, and, you, and you argue with it. And you try to, you know, because remember what I, what, what I, I say this and this, you know, this has got to be one of my favorite sayings that the Lord ever showed me. And it is people will always, always seek justification when they are in sin. They will do it one of two ways. They will either justify themselves by rationalizing or they will find justification in Christ through repentance. 
It's one or the other. Whenever we sin, whenever we are in opposition to the command and to the word of God, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to rationalize our way, like I said, but you don't understand that those are all rationalizations. Those have nothing to do with God. Those have everything to do with you, and that's fine. We all struggle with stuff, but you know what we need to do with your butts and your you don't understands? You need to lay them on the altar, and I don't mean here specifically. You can do that here, but what I mean is you need to lay those down on the altar and let God deal with those and trust what he says. When we trust what he says, when we trust what he says, and we obey what he communicates, we're given more. He goes on to communicate to them, verse 13. He said, therefore, I speak to them in parables. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus is not speaking to them in parables simply because he wants to confuse them. He's speaking to them at their level. He's talking to them about things that are common to everyone. He's talking about stuff that everybody that's there, they, know, they, they understand what he's speaking about. But you know what's going to happen? Here's what will happen. For the one that has, they're going to come and say, man, what does that mean? The one that doesn't have, they're going to be like, What's this dude talking about, man? Talking about seeds, wayside birds. I mean, what, what, what's going on with him? I was coming to get some revelation here. So he speaks to them in these parables to wake someone up. Be like, wait a second. There's got to be something deeper in this. And that's what his disciples do. His disciples come to them. They ask him the question. Because seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. Now look at what Jesus says. He goes back and he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this glorious revelation in chapter 6 of the throne room of God. The angels, the seraphim are up there shaking the poles. The glory of the Lord is amazing. He gets this overwhelming revelation of how unholy he is. He begins to see the world as this place where now, mind you, he's prophesied for five chapters under this up to this point. And now he's still like, God, send me to go and preach to them. And God gives him this message and tells him, listen, go and preach this to them. This prophet of God prophesied for five chapters, prophesied, calling them to repent. Then he comes to them to bring them a word of judgment. He comes to bring them. See, everybody, well, judgment is not, listen, hold on a second. You continue to ignore God and you experience his judgment, that's called justice. You serve a just God, amen? Jesus paid the price to to take the place of your judgment, but it is up to us. It is up to us. To submit our hearts and say, God, I want your will, not my own. He gives them this word and he says to them, what, and what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, this is what the, the, the prophecy is. These people, for years, instead of them running after me, instead of them truly pursuing me, they're pursuing other things. Instead of them seeking to know me, they, wanna, they, they just want stuff from me. They don't want to walk in obedience to me. Therefore, their ears, they're, they're dull. They don't don't hear anymore. Their eyes, they have shut. You know what God does? Well, Romans chapter 1 teaches us some things. When people want to live how they want to live, God says, okay, go on ahead. Oh, but God is not right. Why is he not right? That's not nice. You're right. That's not nice. And the way you are is even worse. (laughs) 
God goes on and communicates to Jesus. Jesus says, listen, these people, the prophecy is fulfilled in them. He says, well, blessed are you. And so it's beautiful because we are here again. We get to look at this. We get to benefit the same way we did from the, from, from the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We get to benefit from hearing this because we get to check ourselves. Verse 17 says, for surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. <clears throat> Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So now Jesus is going to break this down for them. And as we go through this together, I want you to ask yourself a question here. What type of hearer are you? I want you to understand something. There are four types of hearers in this. Four. I'm going to give you my opinion. It's my opinion. Three of them sit in our churches every Sunday. One of them will visit because they work with you and you beg them to come. And when they come, they'll sit down next to you and they'll hear the message preached and you'll be like, man, God is really speaking to them. And they'll get up and walk out and you'll ask them how the service was and they're like, it was all right. That's the first person that he describes. But three of them sit in church all the time. We call all three of them Christians. I want you to understand something. This is not my opinion. This is truth. There's only one in here that's a real Christian. One out of four is a real Christian. One out of four is the one that is bearing fruit. So I ask you to listen and think about what kind of hearer you are because if you fall in the category of the, of the middle two, you got issues. And the beauty of it is that God is here today and he's giving you opportunity to repent when you look at the way that these people listen to the word. So he goes on and he says in verse 19, he says this, when anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes, snatches away what was sown into, this, into his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. The first person in this whole picture, my daughter was doing a Bible study. <clears throat> and she had, in, in, in this Bible study, I think, I think it's from school. It's, it's an activity book. It has Bible studies in there. And so she was doing this particular portion of the Bible study, and she was reading it to me. We were doing it together. Um, and she was, it was like, you know, okay, connect the four. And so they're like, okay, this is the story of, you know, of the sower, and these are the four different grounds. And so it, you know, went through that. And then it gave you four, ex, four examples. And so it said one person, it said this person heard the message preached but told you, yeah, but I'm going to some other, some, some, some other, um, some other gathering. That's, that was the word that was used. I'm going to some other kind of gathering, some other kind of religion. I'm part of some other kind of religion. And that's the person that hears the word. Here's what happens. When it says that you don't understand, this is the thing. You don't understand. It's, it, when, when you're hearing the gospel, you know, um, Paul says that God wills that all men would come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's not what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Amen. All right, I got one amen and a, and a giggle. Pastor Robert saying amen. He's just, it's all right, though. I just want to encourage you. That's what it says, okay? I believe it's in 1 Timothy, just if you want to check that out. But any, anyway, Paul says, he's, he's communicating this. And here's what I want you to realize. Unless you and I get a revelation of our sin and our need for God, we can never get a full revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can, listen, someone can break the cross down for us. 
You can make it crystal clear. This is what happened. He was slapped this many times. He was spit on here. He carried his cross, fell down. They got someone to help him carry it. Got up there to the mountain. They nailed him to the cross, hung him up there. You can do all the body jerks and show how he went. Listen, you can break it down, make him cry. That was horrible. But the question is, why did he go through all that? Why did he go through all that? He went through all of that because we needed him to go through that. But what happens is this. People will hear the message preached, and they'll be like, well, I'm a good person. But what, what do I need to go to church for? What, 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 what do I need to accept Jesus for? I'm not a bad person. And, and remember, sin, justification, automatically. So what happens is there are people, when you evangelize, there are people that you're going to communicate the gospel to. You are going to be feeling it. I'm talking about you just know that you hit every point. It's like boom, boom, I got the God, this, this glory to God. Bishop's going to be so proud. Pastor Chad's going to be so proud. The, 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 the leader, I'm gonna, when I tell the leaders about this, they're going to be like, man, that was amazing. You want to preach Sunday glory? I mean, that, that's, that's how you know you was on it, right? And you're sharing this message. And it's like, no lights on. Like, what's wrong with you? Here's the saddest thing of that. Is that there's going to be a lot of people that that message that you were feeling was the Holy Ghost speaking to them. And that will be a message of judgment on their lives. And they will spend eternity suffering with a, rem with a remembrance of that day. Listen, that is scary. And that should motivate us to pray harder, to cry out more faithfully, and to preach more consistently. Bottom line. But here's the truth. There are people, this is Jesus speaking, red letters. And he said that there are some people, because we all are just messengers. We're just carriers of the seed. That's all we are. And so there are people who are going to be like that seed that falls by the wayside. They don't understand it. And then the wicked one comes. Whether it's a friend calling him up, hey, you want to come to the club? Come on, you, 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 know, you, don't, you don't need that church stuff. Come on, let's go. And you know what? It doesn't have to be something that is so unholy like that. It can simply be someone who's raised up in a different religion, in a different belief system. And man, they are so convinced that what they have, not even, they don't have to be raised in it. It can just be someone who believes something totally different than what the Bible teaches. And they hear the message. And it makes no sense. They don't see their need for it. That's a good message. That sounds great, but I don't need it. That is the type of person that is there. And listen, I said that this is the person that usually come once in a while. It doesn't mean that they don't sit in church all the, you know, sometimes. They may come visit every once in a while. They may come and hear it and be like, yeah, that's for someone else. But see, we can be those kind of people. And, and, and let, me, let, let me say it like this. While in context, this is talking about someone who doesn't understand the gospel, I want, I want to make this a, a personal application. You may be that kind of person that sits down in church week after week, and you're like, yeah, that message was for him. That message was for her. That message was for everybody else. But you don't get it. It's for you. Amen. You can be that kind of hearer as well. Yeah, you, you, you're, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you're not growing. And it's not because the word is not being preached. It's not because we're not teaching. It's not because of that. It's because you are getting hard of hearing. The second person that we see here. Now, these are the groups that we see in church more often. It says, but he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
Yet he has no root in himself. And another one of the, um, and, and another one of the synoptic gospels, I believe it's in, in Mark, he says that he doesn't have any moisture. There, there's a lack of moisture, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The word stumbles literally means to fall away. And so what happens is, this is the kind of person, they will hear the message that is preached. Whoever, whoever is preaching the message, they're touched by that message. They may have tears run down their face. And they're like, man, that was a good word. Man, God was speaking to me. Man, I know that I need to make these changes. Man, I know and I know. And, and, and they, they, with joy, they get that word. That word enters their heart. They have a joy that, it, man, I, I know God was talking to me. He was. When you look at that word, tribulation, persecution, it's pressure. When pressure rises because of the word. So here's what happens. You hear the message. If it's a message of salvation, you hear the message of salvation. You walk out. You know you need Jesus. And all of a sudden, people start making fun of you because you want to stop doing stuff you used to do. That's pressure. And the question is, am I going to walk in obedience to that word through the pressure? I want you to realize something. When he gives the beginning of the parable, he says, when the sun rises, notice something. He's giving a comparison here. He's saying the sun rises. What is the sun supposed to do for a plant? I'll help you. Help it grow. Plants don't grow if they don't get sunshine. Bottom line. And so what he's saying is, Jesus is saying, this pressure, this sun is supposed to help Christians grow. Hardship helps you grow. Hardship and difficulty help your character develop. Hard situations, they bring out the worst in you, bring you to repentance, and begin to bring out the best in you, helping you to walk in righteousness. That's what happens. And so Jesus is saying the thing that is supposed to bring greater life, that is supposed to bring greater maturity, is the very thing that destroys you. I know it's going to be so hard being a Christian. The Bible promises this. Promises that we're going to have tribulation. Promises that we're going to have difficulty. Guarantees it. And so are you that kind of person? Are you that type of hearer that hears the word, receives it with joy, goes home, you're going to do 101 things, and you do nothing? Are you that kind of hearer? If you are, you need to repent. If you are, you need to let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. You need to let God really get down deep inside of you. You really need to let God, and when I say down, I mean really, really, really submit your heart to him. And really let him tear out whatever it is that is keeping you in a shallow place with him. Hearing those words, receiving them with joy, knowing that God was speaking to you. You know what type, I'm going to tell you, this is the type of person, I'm not going to call them a Christian. This is the type of person, they have to. Listen to what I'm going to say. They have to go from experience to experience to experience. If not, they're not happy. Why? Because they got to be moved. If they're not moved, God wasn't there. Wrong mindset. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the scriptures show us. But that's the type of person that is that way. I pray that you're not that type of hearer.
The third type of hearer that he, that he says here in verse 21, I mean, I'm sorry, in verse 22, he says, but he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And, another, and, and, and one of the other gospels, it says, and other desires choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So while you have the one hearer that falls away, They'll be the type of hearer that they'll come to church, they'll be here for a while, go, 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 and then all of a sudden they just like fall away and you don't see them and then they might come back later on and it's, it's always like, that, that, that's, that's that one type of hearer. Now is God working with them? Most definitely God wants to work with them. It'll all be determined by the point when they come to true repentance and humility before God. This one, different. This one, they're not so worried about the experiences, not worried about that. They have, they have some depth in their life. Right? This person, they have heard the Bible. Look, they, they might have been raised in church. I don't know what the situation is. But this person, they hear it. But then what happens is, as they're growing, and, and, and you know, because they're growing up, it says they grew. They, they were growing up, right? They were sown into this ground. There's growth that has taken place. And see, this is why you have to let people gain some time and, and grow some roots. And that way you can really see the fruit in their life. Because what we do is we promote potential all the time. What do you mean, Bishop? We see somebody who has all the potential. They smile just right. They amen at the right moments. They got, you know, they encourage you when you talk to them. They have all, and they have all this potential surrounding their lives. And see, this is how it happens. You have potential and then you have need. So what do you do? Potential, need, they'll grow into this. Not necessarily true. You got to let them grow because what happens is the deceitfulness of riches. Look, they start caring. They start they, they get, get, get into economic situations. Listen, they can't make church. They got to work. But Bishop, what are you saying? That I can't ever miss church? I'm not saying that. Listen, we switch Sunday to Friday. That, that should show you that's not what I'm saying. Hello? That's not what I'm saying. Can I can never work overtime? Then you know what? I'd be calling Pastor Robert a heathen. He works overtime in his job. That's not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm communicating. What I am communicating is when you are more consumed by the deceitfulness of riches, when you are more consumed with a care of this world and a concern for, and I, you know, I, I read it on someone's Facebook thing today. They said, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. They're broke and on the way to divorce court. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Glory to God. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, yeah, that, that's really good. <laughs> Everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? They broke. They're in debt. They're they, they ready to claim bankruptcy. About to be divorced. But here's what happens. The enemy gets us caught up in that. Gets us caught up with trying to have that house. Trying not to have my kids live like I lived. None of those things are wrong. But when those things become first, and, not, and you know, I'm not even going to say first because y'all know that I hate that. I hate it when people say, well, Jesus needs to be first. No, Jesus needs to be the center. Different. Because if Jesus is first, I check him off and move on to what's second. No. Understand what I'm saying. 
These things become the center of our lives. Everything in our life revolves around that. It revolves around getting that house, revolves about driving that car, revolves about being part of these things. And, and what happens is you come to Jesus and then you hear a liar, because it's just a liar, who communicates to you. Well, if you come to Jesus and you, and you start giving, then you know what happens? The windows of heaven open in your life. That's not a lie. Listen to me, y'all. Stick with me through the lie. So the windows of heaven are going to be open and every single thing that you want, you're going to have. That's the lie. What happens if you come to Jesus and you end up more broke than you were before you met him? What happens if you were a drug dealer making thousands of dollars a day and you come to Jesus and you got to go to Burger King to get a job? You're going to have trouble for a little while sowing your way into that kind of money working at Burger King. Listen to what I'm saying, y'all. And, you have, and then you have folks, and, and, and this, this, is, this is the sad part on all of this. I'm going to just jump on this for a minute, and I'll get back to this over here. But you have folks that are like, yo, I got to drive that car so the drug dealer will see me. Why? What if God doesn't give him that kind of car? Why don't you drive a car that just honors God? I don't, it, it could be a Lexus. It could be whatever. But don't justify whatever you're driving because you want to show the world prosperity. Listen, prosperity is not something that is always on the outside, y'all. Prosperity is something that flows from the inside. And they're never going to see real prosperity driving next to you, coming into your house. They're going to see prosperity involved in your life when they see the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in you. Because that is real prosperity. And the best place of prosperity that they're going to find you is when you are going through your deepest, darkest moment and you still have the joy of the Lord overflowing when you don't have that car and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding is still guarding your mind. That's when they're going to know they need what you got. They don't need God to make them rich. They need God to give them life. And so what happens is we come to Jesus and we get all caught up because we just believe, okay, well, this is going to happen. And we start tithing and we start giving and we start doing all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden the cares of this world, those other things begin to encroach. Because that's what happens. Begin to encroach, begin to get on, in the wrong position in our life. And all of a sudden we find that the fruit that was coming is choked up because of everything else that is encroaching on the word of God. See, that's where we get in our walk. And here's the thing, man. We look like Christians. This one looks the most like a Christian. The Bible doesn't say they fell away. The Bible doesn't say that the tree left. As a matter of fact, there's another parable in there where Jesus gives a parable of a landowner and he came to this tree that had been sitting there for like three years and bore no fruit. It looked, it, listen, it was a tree that had everything that said it would bear fruit. That's the kind of tree it was. Looked just like a Christian. But if there is no fruit, there's a root problem. If there is no fruit, Jesus said that he is the vine, we are the branches. We can do nothing apart from him. And when we allow anything else to consume our hearts, what begins to happen is the life of God in us begins to die. And the only thing that we can do is repent of that and acknowledge, man, am I letting other things 
come before my devotion to him? Am I letting other cares consume me rather than me being consumed? The fourth kind of hero and the last one that we'll talk about. This is the one that is the only true Christian in this place that Jesus is talking about. And he says in verse 23, but he who received seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understand it, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Jesus communicated to each of the churches. He communicates here to every hearer that is there. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means that there are people that don't have ears to hear. There are people, number one, he says it here. He says, but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word. So just like everybody else there, they all heard the word. But the first thing that says is he understood it. He or she understood when they heard the word, that word for me. I need that word. But I don't just understand my need for it. I understand that there are going to have to be some real changes that come along with me hearing and understanding that word. Because it's not enough for me to say, amen, that is me. But now I've got to walk out and I've got to live according to what these scriptures and, and according to what the challenge has been. He hears those words, understands them. Indeed, he bears fruit and he produces. And so he remains, we know, they remain connected to Jesus. They remain connected to him. And here's the thing. Hearing is the result of willingness to change. The first person, unwilling to change. The second person, they were unwilling to consistently walk against the grain and go against the flow and deal with the pressure that was coming. So they weren't really willing to change. The last person, they weren't willing to change either. They wanted everything to change around them, but they didn't want to let their hearts and their desires be conformed to those of their maker. The second thing is, we've got to be faithful to live out what is being heard. Be faithful to live out what is being heard. Listen, when the pressure comes, situations become difficult, you've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to be faithful, no matter what, to, be, to, to walk this out. No matter how hard this is going to be, I'm going to be faithful to do this. I'm not going to give up. That's what has to happen. We have to be willing to change, and we have to be willing to pay the price. And the last thing is, we must be diligent in our pursuit of the truth. And that is not just understanding of a Bible, but it is the knowledge and revelation of a person, and that is Jesus Christ. When you dig into this word, don't just try to fill your head. Let your heart be filled with who he is. Diligent. That last person, if they would have just been diligent, the Bible says clearly, delight yourself in the Lord, right? That's what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, delight in me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change your heart and conform it to my heart, give you new desires, and then everything that you desire is what I desire. So guess what happens? You get it all. The problem with us is this. We want to come to God with all of our desires. We don't want any of our desires to change, and we want him to give it all to us. Here's the bottom line. I don't remember who said this a long time ago that I heard this. John Bevere, he's the one that said it. He said, you know, he said, Jesus is coming back, and when you meet him, someone has to change, and it's not going to be him. 
Someone has to change. Someone has to be in the process of changing. I was sharing with a couple in premarital counseling, and as I was sitting down with them, I was telling them, I was like, listen, I said, you know, when you look at the whole thing of compromise, you look at in marriage, there has to be compromise. There has to be give and take. Everybody has to make compromises. And as I was sitting there for the first time, I was, you know, came to my mind, was like, man, but did Jesus compromise? And the answer is yes. He didn't sin. He came down from glory. He put on earth. He put on flesh. He lived a sinless life so that way you could become like him. Compromise is not negative. There's a bad side to compromise. But when you look at compromise in marriage, compromise is a good thing. Every married person said, hallelujah. If there's no compromise in marriage, there is just a lot of arguing. There's a lot of disagreement. There's a whole lot of mess that goes on. There has to be compromise. And so where did Jesus do it? Man, he was seated up in glory and he decided, I'm going to come down here and put on flesh so that way I can show them how to do it. And then I'm going to ascend into glory. I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to give them my word and I'm going to empower them to become more like me. So the question is, what type of hearer are you? What type of hearer are you? Think about it for a moment. Let's all stand to our feet and bow your heads, please. <clears throat> what type of hearer? Do you sit there and not understand anything? If that's you... You need to ask the Lord, open my eyes, Lord. Open my heart. Help me to see. Help me to hear again. If you're the person that you know, you, you receive that word with joy immediately, and it's exciting, but when it gets a little bit difficult, you stop. You need to ask him, God, forgive me. Help me. Help me. And if you have other things that are in your heart, other things that are overwhelming your life, other things that are just choking out the life of the word in you, ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to help you to make him the center of your life. He wants all of us to be hearers in this place. Father, help us. Help us to be hearers, God. Help us to be hearers, Lord. Come on, right where you're standing, I just want you to begin to pray. Every one of us in here can be better hearers. Father, look at our hearts, God. Father, look at our hearts, God. But we desperately need to hear from you. We desperately need to be obedient to what you communicate to us, God. Father, we acknowledge, Lord, our need to hear from you. We acknowledge, Lord, <clears throat> how many times we don't listen to what you're saying and how many consequences we have paid because of disobeying, Lord God, or closing our ears, God. 
But Father, more than the consequences, Lord, it is the reality that our disobedience separates us from you, God. Our disobedience hinders our relationship with you, Lord. And so tonight, Father God, I pray that you would give us hearts that are sensitive to your spirit again, God. Father, you see my brothers and my sisters that are struggling, Lord God, to comply with your word that, Lord, the things that are supposed to make them stronger and help them grow more in you, Father God, are, are killing them. Father, strengthen them right now, God. Father, you see us in this place that the cares of this world, Father, our own desires, the deceitfulness of riches, Father, they are choking out the life of your word. Father, I pray for your mercy, God. Tonight, my God, give us repentant hearts, God. Tonight, God, give us hearts that surrender to you, Father. God, we need you in this place. Help us to be hearers. you.